Welcome to TechTastic, the podcast that explores the cutting-edge world of technology and its impact on society. New breakthroughs and developments are revolutionizing the world around us, presenting exciting opportunities as well as complex challenges. We'll explore the big ideas and key players driving these transformations as we seek to understand the implications of these advancements for our lives, our communities, and our planet. Join us on this journey of discovery and exploration as we navigate the fascinating and ever-evolving world of technology. This is TechTastic. So Colin, welcome to It's TechTastic. It is lovely to have you here. You're a multi-business owner and the founder of FinElevate.com. And you've got a really interesting story to tell on like how you came to build this business and what you're offering people. So uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. So you started in your family business. I'm guessing it wasn't uh, yesterday because you were 21 at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was a little while ago. And uh, you quickly realized the importance of finances. Now, personally, this is the thing that I know I miss myself. I'm a repeat entrepreneur. I started at a very young age and I've always been the guy that can create anything. I've, you know, the tech wizard, whatever the hell you want to call. The finance side is the part that I always go and find right away because it's Greek. You know, it's a foreign language to me, right? Absolutely. You were smart enough to realize that on your own and then to dive in and start to learn it instead of relying on others. What was that like? And what was the hard times that kind of opened your eyes to the necessity of it? Yeah. So to your point, I started in a family business and I was uh, second generation in that business. And from the minute I got there, you know, I, I didn't have a background in sales. I've done sales like we all have if you've owned a business. <laughs> I wasn't an ops guy, but we've all dove into ops if you've owned a business. But numbers just kind of made sense to me. You know, just really simple kind of the basics of of math and the, and the importance of them always made sense to me. So I always kind of gravitated toward that part of the business. And like many small businesses, we struggled in that area area and it was it got really bad uh pretty early after i started in the business fortunately not not due to me starting but (laughs) (laughs) but uh, you know it just kind of happened to be there you know at ground zero as it was happening and realized you know look i've got to dive into this part of the business and help and this is an area that generally makes sense to me and so i didn't know anything about business finance i had to learn everything that i used to help solve the company's problems but that started the journey and you know really like in small business you know you just you see what's working what's not working and wherever you got to dive in you dive in yeah i always said that i'm the chief cook and bottle washer i've got to do everything in between too right exactly it's an interesting problem that like every company at some point is going to have that existential threat it's going to have the thing that you look at and go oh my god if we don't solve this we're done we're dead in the water and i gotta tell you there's two ways people approach that the one is to throw their hands in the air and walk away you can give up the other is a determination and grit i'm gonna get through this because that's the only thing i know how to do is i have to get through it and you sound like the latter that like you know you, yeah. you have the grit you dug in you took <laughs> care of business right for me that's the only thing that separates those that are going to you know there's luck there's timing but ultimately it just comes down to grit and resiliency yep work the problem figure it out like you got to get in and clean the bottles or whatever the job that needs to be done and so whenever i find somebody like that in the world around me i just want to say hey good job for working it out man like way to double down and figure it out yeah, well, thank you. No, I, so you, you might like this. I've seen a Michael Jordan quote along the way where he said, I've never lost a game. I've just run out of time. And and the yeah. beauty of, you know, they live in a fixed time environment within a basketball game. But in business, really, it, the clock doesn't run out until you give up. 
And so to your point, you know, that's just kind of my mindset is, hey, it's not over until I say it's over. (laughs) I mean, sometimes you do have to call it. Sometimes it's not because you failed to do something. It's because you were like, it was impossible to do or it was was beyond your capacity. I never want to fail because I didn't give it everything I've got. Exactly. I mean, at any time we may determine that there's a better alternative plan, right? That's true within the context of a business and it's true kind of in the life of a business. And so if you determine, hey, the better plan is not to continue doing this, then that's a different kind of choice. But yeah, I think uh, the beauty is you get to choose. I mean, that's what I love about entrepreneurship is being in the driver's seat and being able to make those decisions. It's something that I was talking to a friend of mine who's a repeat entrepreneur also, and he recently sold a business. I can't remember what the heck it's called when he couldn't, oh, non-compete, it expired. He bought back the previous business for like a fire sale price and he's running it again. And one of the things he said, like in what you just said, were like exactly the same thing. He knew it was the right time to sell previously, but yeah. now's the right time to buy. And he's going to go yeah. you know, run it all over again. And uh, I was like, how, why, you know, because <laughs> like I, I'm going to bet on myself every time. Yep. You know, they bought it for me because they were betting on what the product was. I wasn't betting on the product. I was betting on myself. Yeah, I love I that. I love that, right? Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And you know, that's not an entirely uncommon thing for people to buy back their old company. That's such a fascinating concept to me. But yeah, no, I love that. And and to your point, I mean, that's really what entrepreneurship is in my mind is betting on yourself. I always look at it as, you know, I want to go to bed smarter than I woke up. So I'm betting on myself to learn, right? Outlearn the competition, outlearn the challenge, you know, outlearn the environment. And so that's, you know, similar kind of deal, right? You're betting on yourself on some level that you're going to make this work. I love that way of framing it too, because it's something that comes up quite frequently, especially in the technology space where tomorrow's unknown. You're either creating tomorrow or you're going to have to learn how to live in tomorrow because it's changing so fast. And that learning mindset is the only thing that allows you to stay on top of it, hopefully stay a little bit in front of it. It's too big of a wave. It's too big of a thing to really be out in front of at any distance. And in fact, like, do you ever want to be too far in front of it? You want to surf it, you don't want to be. Yeah, that's, I mean, as, as they call it, right? The bleeding edge itself is a little dangerous. I mean, it's something you can never completely get a hold of, which is what makes it interesting, right? That's what I love. I mean, I always describe businesses. It's this kind of never ending reforming puzzle that even when you think you've got it figured out, it starts to change and morph and become something new. So once you embrace that part of it, that's what makes it fun. We were talking about this the other day with a friend of mine as we were talking through the life cycle of a company. And it was related to actually because he was buying it back, right? So it was the same individual. And there's like this maturity model concept I always put on technologies. And you're always, to use a terrible metaphor for it, it's like painting the Golden Gate Bridge. As soon as you're yep. done painting it, you got to start all over again. And that's the world that we live in. By the time you're at a point where the product's mature, now you got to fend off the 50 startups that are taking some new technology yep. and applying it to your yep. space. Yeah. But into your point, you can either use that to be defeated or use that to learn to enjoy it, right? Yeah, that's a weird transition I made in my own career. I started off in startups and then I went to large enterprises and I was fairly successful at it, but to show them how to become innovative again, how to regain that uh, challenge yourself spark that was needed. And the first place you mentioned Jordan Erlin was at Nike. I, I went to Nike and I was their entrepreneur and we did some amazing products that came out of that time period, built their direct consumer business so that you could buy directly from them, not from wholesalers. And to do that, we created all these really cool things.
things. And it was amazing to me, like this is the thing that's wonderful about a small business and so surprising about a large enterprise, the chief cook and bottle washer thing about a startup. Everybody has to be a generalist to some degree. You just don't have the capacity to have hundreds of employees doing each finite task large company, they have to do the exact opposite. They have to compartmentalize roles so that they minimize risk and they can hire for each individual specific thing and scale it up. So exactly. if you've got a bunch of specialists, how the hell do you ever innovate, right? It's yep. that cross-pollination. It's that thinking laterally Yeah, thing. that's where the magic comes in, right? And so to your point, if everyone's siloed and everyone's very functionally specific and a targeted specialist in their area, they're not thinking big enough. I mean, that's a really great point. I find that same challenge, interestingly, in small business, trying to teach people to go from being a functional manager to being a true kind of executive mindset, thinking more broadly. It's a very different mindset. And to your point, you know, in big business, they have a handful of people at the top who do that. And everybody else is like, hey, know your role, <laughs> keep your head down, keep your elbows moving. So I want to dive into finelevate.com or finelevate the company itself too, yeah. like not just the website. Yeah, the website's not that impressive. I uh, <laughs> just want to keep saying it. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's, so it's a, it's a really big, interesting shift in my career. So my original business was a manufacturing business. I ran that for 15 years as CEO, bought into another manufacturing business, then ended up buying a kind of more an industrial distribution style business. And so to throw kind of all of that playbook out and go into a services business in the financial sector was a pretty wild shift. The reason I did that is because, as I said, I came up through the financial part of my first business. I always ran it as more of a financially oriented CEO and realized the minute I was in mastermind groups and had a lot of entrepreneurial friends, how rare that was. Most of it are exactly what you described that I always joke that they're allergic to the numbers. And so, ouch, the truth hurts. Uh, <laughs> but you know, so I got those phone calls, like when COVID hit, everybody's trying to figure out what the PPP was gonna be. And, and that was a really big turning point that ultimately led to where I am now, because I realized that a lot of people looked to me for that. And it meant that they didn't have anybody beyond their bank, beyond their CPA. And those people aren't gonna help you make money. At best, they can help you save some of the money you've already made. And so that was really the passion. And so the business is basically, we're profitability consultants. We're helping companies make more profit. I've never met an entrepreneur who said, you know, hey, man, we got to tap the brakes on all this profit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd like less of it, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so so that's really what we, we're passionate. Uh, there's a lot of different financial things we could be helping with, but that's the biggest one that, that really resonates and, and we find the most need. So I'm in the middle of a capital raise right now for Vala AI. Well, I, in the middle of, I'm prepping yep. the dog and pony show for the capital raise, you know, that fun part. And I've been allergic to numbers. The weird part is I have a math minor. I, I'm, a, you know, CS background. I've been in math, but I've always been far more intrigued by like the theoretical limits of what are the edges we don't have discovered yet? And how can we play with it? And then like applied mathematics in a multidimensional yep. space, which is why I'm in AI. But when it gets to the finance side, there's definitely math. But it's for me, it's more the understanding the laws, the applied mechanisms that are out there in the world that you can use to do fun things with the money you've got. And to me, that it's very much like legalese. <laughs> it's like arcana. Yeah. I don't know the no, language. To your point, of. I mean, it, there's an element that I would always say is kind of similar to engineering in the sense there are kind of some laws at play here. There's some best practices that 
really aren't that difficult to learn, but I always use the example of like, I am the last person on earth you ever want to try and learn another language. Okay. I'm, I can barely speak English. <laughs> well, you're from <laughs> and, Texas. No. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fair. Yeah. That's absolutely fair. Um, you're lucky I sound like a city guy, but yeah. you know, and so for me, like I have this mindset that I, I'm not good at languages. So you know, my wife and I went over when we were uh, married before we had kids and we went to Spain. I mean, it was brutal. You know, I'm, I live in Texas. I can't speak Spanish. It's been around me my entire life. You know, I'm like, I always joke, you know, if it's on the Taco Bell menu when I was in my 20s, maybe I could say it, but that's about it. Ouch. And so I've kind of realized as I get a little older is like, how much of that is because I'm really lacking in that capability and how much of it is a story I've been telling myself. And I think that's what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs is like, mm -hmm. with your background, there's no doubt you could learn accounting in a weekend if that was your passion, right? It's just not, and that's okay. And that's, you know, for me, the people who really struggle are people who don't have that kind of engineering mind or mathematics mind of, they're truly just pure artists, uh, pure creative. For those people, man, it's almost hopeless. So I like to kind of bring it in and give it to people in a, a much more simplified version and just help them navigate the decision-making part of it without ever having to become a full-blown expert. So you mentioned earlier, like you help them become, um, well, you didn't say more profitable, you find more profit for them, I think is what you said. And I'm curious how just looking at the numbers and like playing around with that, are you making like business recommendations on process operational change? Or are you making like, here's some fun things you can do with like putting it into a CD? Like, how are you, how are you making them more profit? Yeah. So that's a great question. What I call the simple profit formula. So I always say, I want to know how to make money in any business. I can write it down on the back of a napkin. Right. Mm -hmm. And what it really comes down to is it's thinking about your PL in kind of a percentage format. So everybody knows, you know, if you're in a business that sells any type of product or certain services, you have a gross margin. So everybody knows that as a percentage, but we can take that many steps further and look at labor as a percentage, look at sales and marketing as a percentage. That's the first kind of wave of really breaking down your business and then benchmarking that against what it could or should be. And usually right there, we highlight where the gap is. And so, you know, let's say you set an aggressive target and then you're not delivering, more than likely your labor is gonna look out of whack compared to your revenue sure. because you're just not doing the kind of volume you expected. And so your labor is not gonna be as efficient as it could be. You're gonna have some bloat there. And so it's really going in with the business and looking at it from a, a strategic kind of financial view and saying, where are the areas we need to make improvements? Some businesses, it's pricing. Some businesses, it's, you know, hey, I'm trying a thousand different things on sales and marketing. None of them are really working, but I keep spending money on all of them. It's really just getting to the heart of whatever that matter is. And then, and then that sets off kind of a playbook that says, what are the things that need to be done to solve this problem? That's so much more approachable than I was worried you were going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, hey, I know, I'm a business owner. I know how to speak to business owners. I know that's the only language that's going to get this job done. I'm going to give you a couple examples of some fun things I've interacted with. So at one very large multinational brand, they bought in Juan. So they bought in China, yep. they imported the United States and they sold in dollars. That wasn't their entire business, but let's say that that was. And then they would use the Forex exchange advantage that they had on those two cash positions mm -hmm. on when to transfer wealth from one side to the other. So to go from one to dollars or back and forth. And so they'd yep. hold these big capital Tiny. reserves and then play that. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty clever because it was a whole other way of pulling profit out of their business. The other is to use your terms like 30, 60, 90 and cash flow and to use that to your advantage. So another Absolutely. very large multinational brand, uh, that's what they did. They never actually took possession of the product. They bought it and sold it at the same moment in time. 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and then they paid out net 90 and they received immediate cash. Yep. So, I mean, that one's huge if you can pull that off, right? Well, and that's kind of the Walmart model, right? They were some yep. of the innovators of that. Of they would, <laughs> you know, they would stick their vendors with their like 90-day terms and they average products sold in nine days or whatever. And they had a policies like, hey, if we can't sell it in 30 days or 45 days, you got to come pull it off the shelf. You still own it. And so, yeah, I mean, you basically end up in this kind of arbitrage environment where you're effectively just brokering product more so than you are selling product you own. Brilliant model. If you can pull it off, it's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) There's only a few people that get to pull that off. It either takes scale or timing or just crazy leverage, like the right moment and what's going on in the world. So, wow. So most of the listeners on this show are entrepreneurs or they want to be entrepreneurs or they're running a small business and they're focused on technology. It's tech-tastic, right? If you were to give them one major piece of advice, like one thing that either they're doing wrong today and they should change, or the one thing that you wish you'd known at the beginning and and you'd love to share out in the world, what would that be? Yeah, well, I'll give you a couple. So the first one I, I mentioned, which is really think about your financials and your profit in terms of those percentages. It's so enlightening when you see it that way. I'd say most people look at a P&L and it might be 40 lines and they get lost in the sauce, right? There's just too much going on there. They're going big picture, little picture, big picture, you know, they're bouncing all over the place and their mind's gone. So think about it in raw percentages. You should be able to figure out and start with the profit you should have and then back into how much overhead you can afford, how much labor you can afford, right? You'll, you can back into kind of reverse engineer what the business model needs to look like. So that's the first one. Uh, the second one is, you know, and hey, I'm working on a startup. I know the, the vibes. Do mm. not give yourself an infinite runway and run out of all your money. Be realistic about what it's going to take to start a business. Be fully capitalized. You know, the last thing you want to do is kind of die on the vine in this half capitalized kind of state. And so, you know, run a serious budget, track your money every month. What are you spending? What's the real path to profitability? You know, just understand. I mean, it's the same thing. You can be there's a there's a hundred different ways to do real estate, for example. But the only people who do land development are the deep pockets because that is not a short path to cash, right? So you have to know if that's the, the business you're in. Do you really have the the finances to fit it? And if you were looking for advice on that, if you were stuck in trying to figure that out, uh, where should I send them? Yeah, you can come to my website, so finelevate.com, or, you know, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn these days, so you can look me up. It's just Colin, first name C-O-L-I-N, and then last name Sandberg, S-A-N-B-U-R-G. Look me up on LinkedIn, you know, reach out, and, and I'm always happy to chat. I love entrepreneurs. That's one of the things I'm most excited. My other businesses, kind of like from your background, I was doing more enterprise sales, big companies, big airline companies, that sort of thing. I love working with entrepreneurs and talking. So, hey, if you want advice, whether you think you're going to work with us or not, just reach out. I'd love to, to talk and, and get to know somebody. Thank you so much for your time on the show today. It was awesome having you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And that's a wrap for this episode of TechTastic. I want to thank you personally for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep exploring and stay curious.